0: Welcome to What in the World, a project initiated by Hungry for Life International. Today's podcast is titled, What does it take to end violence? And Jess will be interviewing Debbie Davidson, a nurse who has been leading teams for 10 years. So grab your headphones, sit back, relax, and listen as she shares about how her team of nurses has taught communities on what it means to end violence. Hello and welcome back to another week of What in the World podcast, where we talk about all things to do with global nonprofits. Um... We have Debbie Davidson here today. Hello, Debbie. Hi. Thanks for racing over on your lunch yeah. hour. <laughs> that's okay. This is this is really great. So Debbie Davidson has been a, I, I will call you a local partner. That's the, okay. the terminology I guess we use. A mm-hmm. uh, local partner of Hungry for Life for how many years now? Ten years. Ten years. That's that's yeah. a long time. Yeah. A whole In decade. Ten years. And, um, we will get into the group in a minute, Mm -hmm. but can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, first of all, what do you do? Where did you just come from? Um, I work, I work as a, as a nurse, as
1: a clinical resource nurse with, um, home health and home support here in Chilliwack. So I, I work part-time with them, um, having sort of semi-retired five years ago from, um, managing a nursing home in town, so...
0: Yeah. Yeah. And your family's around here? Yes.
1: Yeah. I've got four daughters and they all live close and three grandchildren. Um, Yeah. And I just, I've been, like I said, been involved with Hungry for Life for for 10 years. It's hard to believe that this is our 10th year. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, How long have you been a nurse for? I've been in 40 plus years, 45 years. Yeah. Yeah. So So you've seen a lot. Yes. You've been a nurse through the pandemic. You've, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, And so being a nurse has sort of spurred on Mm -hmm. what you have partnered with Hungry for Life to do. Mm -hmm. So Debbie and her group are Mm -hmm. called EVE, which Mm -hmm. is... Ending Violence Educators. Ending Violence, yes. And they um, do... can you tell a little bit of the Eve story? How mm-hmm. did how did it how did it get started? Why mm-hmm. did it get started? Yeah. What's the purpose? Yeah.
1: Part of my um, journey in nursing, I probably I think when I was when my middle daughter, who is now in her forties or early forties, um, when I was pregnant with her, I actually um, started working with victims of, of violence, and primarily through the Red Cross at that point. Um, and then it sort of evolved into working with community services, um, where I developed um, some programs to, for victims of violence called um, Escape Ending, Ending, Ending Violence um, Within Families, um, and also victim services going into courts and such like that. And it evolved further from that that I became um, part of a forensic nursing team out of Abbotsford Regional Hospital. Um, where we provided um, base health care and support services to victims who had gone to the police or possibly not even to the police that come to the hospital as a victim of usually rape, um, but occasionally it was, you know, interpersonal violence in the home. Hmm. One of our nurses um, was Jackie Edinburgh at that time. Right. Okay. And Jackie um, had just started working with, with Hungry for Life, and she was talking about. Um, some of her missions trips overseas into into Africa, and I think it was primarily Kenya at that point mm. that she went. And a few of us expressed an interest in, you know, this is something that we've always wanted to do. And my kids were more grown at that point, so there was an opportunity for me to be able to do something like that. And she says, well, you know, the information and the experience that you've got would be really valuable um, to take over into some of these communities where. Um, sexual assault is just not spoken about Hmm. and so that started it that was in 2011 and we spent a year developing um, what we hoped was some culturally sensitive um, information that we could bring over there and we developed a framework and at that point we called it the SANE project sexual assault nurse examiners and so our first trip was to Kenya in 2012 In March of two thousand twelve, we had no idea what we were doing at that point. Well, Jackie did, Um, and I remember Jackie just sort of saying, "Just go with it; it'll, it'll all work out." And um, and we went over with all of these plans. I remember the very first session that we did over in Kenya. um, I had because I like to be organized, so I had. Um, a pack of name tags for that we could put on all the children so that the we'd be able to speak to them by name instead of just you know sort of talking to them by a group and we arrived at the school an hour and a half late because nothing was ever on time of course um and we couldn't get in the in the driveway in the closed driveway to it and so we had to dig our truck out of there and so we finally got there and there was 500 children and I only had 20 name tags <laughs> or something like that. So at that point, we realized that, you know, most of the plans we had made were not going to really work. Um, but it was an it was an amazing, amazing experience. There was 12 of us that went. I think that um, every one of us, our lives were changed um, with that very first trip that we made um, to Kenya. But we learned a lot at that point. And so since that time, we have done, we have, Basically, other than the the years with the pandemic, we have done a trip every year, and mm-hmm. uh, we have been to we we have been to Uganda three times, we have been to Guatemala, um, Baja Mexico, and Haiti, and with every trip we've learned a little bit more, and we've refined hmm. refined a little bit more what we what we have done.
0: So, with having been to four different countries, yes, yeah. Is there is there one thing that stands out as it like a, a consistency among uh, violence victims, or is it quite different per country? Like, does violence present itself in different ways? It the, one of the
1: it, it it does present itself slightly different, right, depending on the culture within that community, um, but part of what has always been very, very important to our team, is that we are not going over there and telling them what to do. We're going over there curious. We're going over there to learn from them. We're going over there for them to tell us what are Mm -hmm. the concerns or the problems within their community. Um, And then they develop um, through conversation. um, They develop a plan um, to be able to address it, so for example, in in Guatemala, um, a lot of the violence is is brought about not only by poverty. Poverty is always the one of the main cruxes of it, but it's also the machismo culture mm, and yeah. the cartel, right. there. So, and that that was also the same thing in Baja Mexico as well. So that was a really um, a stark overriding um, one of the one of the the roots. Mm-hmm. of of violence in those communities um uh uganda and in africa in the whole it's a lot of it is because it's a culture where children um don't have a lot of power actually in most of the countries children don't have a lot of power so they can be easily taken care of um kids don't say no mm-hmm. um and because of the poverty they don't they they there's no options for them there's mm-hmm. no options for women as well
0: so so you, like, just to give our our listeners a bit of context to what you guys actually mm-hmm. do, I, it's it's so incredible. I love mm-hmm. what you guys do. Mm-hmm. You're all about empowerment and mm-hmm. um, education. And do you, do you want to share a bit about, like, your plan, your game mm-hmm. plan going into trips?
1: Yeah. Um, we do. We do. We've got a framework that we usually work with, and it changes every time we go. Um, there's sort of three areas that we focus on. Um, And the one is the community leadership where we do one, two, this last trip we did three days Mm -hmm. um, worth of leadership training with um, our field partners. They invite, sometimes we've had politicians, we've had police officers, we've had principals from the schools, we've had church leaders, pastors, um, teachers, um, and they, we bring them to um, a day of training and basically just Engage them in conversations about what is happening in their community. Um, What are the, and bring them through a process of them identifying um, what are the, what are the things that are going on in your community that concern you surrounding, surrounding violence. Um, They brainstorm that, then we break them into groups um, and they choose one of the areas that is a concern in their community, um, and then they start developing plans. By the end of the one day or two days or three days, however long we work on, um, they go away with a, um, a plan and some small steps that they can start with in their community to try and combat, um, combat violence or whatever is going on in their community
0: so what draws them there like why would they take time out of their day to come learn about violence like what do you think is the drawing card for them
1: i think a lot of it is because they're hungry for change valuing their time valuing their expertise and sort of saying to them we think that you're really important that your voice is really important Mm -hmm. um because they expect they expect to come and be told what to do right that's why do, um,
0: why do you think they think that?
1: I think that that's the way they're taught in school. I think a lot of the education in a lot of the third world countries, um, kids and adults are taught by rote. Mm. Right? You, you, um, you learn by memorization. You, you sit in a classroom and you're told what to do. And I remember the first time in Kenya when we were asking them, well, tell us, tell us something. It took us a long time to draw them out. And they said, nobody's ever asked us our, our opinions before right? And we're saying, no, we really value your opinions. We can't, you know, we're, we're just here to actually help, um, help you facilitate changes that you see are necessary mm-hmm. in your community. So um, valuing them was, was really, really important and recognizing that they, you know, that they have the answers for their community. Mm-hmm. We don't have the answers, they do. Um, because I think that if we go over there, especially in a short-term mission, when you're going and and that was one of our fears, what are we going to do in two weeks right what's going to happen in two weeks and um and are we going to cause more harm than good and if we were to go over there and to sort of say, okay, this is what this is what we did in Canada, so I could talk about what I did when I set up programs with community service and stuff like that It's not going to work over there, right because that doesn't fit their culture, it doesn't fit what they need mm-hmm. um, you know so so we don't we don't do that we ask them what they see as necessary. Right? The, one of the first ones that we did is they, there was a group that was going to combat idle youth. Mm-hmm. Now, does that How much does that have to do with violence? It does, but that's what they identified, is that they've got these, these boys that are idle, they don't have any jobs, so what can we do to actually keep these boys engaged in school or in, in, in different activities in their community so that they're not going to go and go after the girls?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? And how can we get them to come, we can get them maybe to come to a soccer game, and in that soccer game, we can talk to them about respecting women, right? So they they came up with these kind of suggestions. We didn't, because if we were to go over there and just say this is what you need to do, it wouldn't work, and that's and it, that's also disrespectful to them to do that. Mm-hmm. I feel
0: such yeah. good point, and I I want to remember what you just said because I want to create a little a mm-hmm. little like a teaser video for this podcast with what you just said there, but um, that we don't come up with the solutions no, they, do. they do. And so my sister-in-law, mm-hmm. Ashley, who mm-hmm. was on your trip, yes. trip with you, yeah, yeah. oh, we talked a lot about you. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay. No, no, the trip, the trip yeah. in general. But what she said that she learned from you yeah. was you would ask a question and then just be quiet and just wait mm-hmm. for them to come up with their answers. Mm-hmm. And that um, that stood out to her as a really effective way of mm-hmm getting a community involved and I thought that was so so neat that Mm -hmm. um you're smart enough to know that us Americans don't Mm -hmm. have the answers just Mm -hmm. given the context of any situation like that so I think that's that's really neat um have you noticed so you go into a country for first how many countries have you doubled up on so far um uganda uganda Uganda. this is the
1: third trip i've been to we've been to guatemala Guatemala. three times okay uh
0: baja was just once and haiti was just once kenya um kenya just once okay so you've done two countries three times yes and then three countries one time yes you're a seasoned traveler Mm -hmm. um talk me through the first second and third time of the of uganda and guatemala like i'm sure it was different but um let's talk uganda because it's fresh in mm-hmm. your mind mm-hmm. so the first time was that your first trip ever
1: no okay no kenya was my very first trip. Uh,
0: okay all right so the first time you went to uganda um compared to the second compared to the third
1: um
0: what were the what was the feel like what were what was the response like um, as far as even attendance mm-hmm. um as far as the women feeling empowered even the men mm-hmm. feeling empowered all those things. Mm-hmm. How did you How did you notice a change from the first to the third?
1: I think the first time we, every time we go to a country, the first time, um, and it was the same in in Uganda. Is that the, we're trying to find our footage, we're trying to understand the culture, um, and so we're much more tentative right sort of sitting back a lot more Mm -hmm. um, understanding what is culturally sensitive for us to talk about what Mm -hmm. isn't um and and you don't have any of those connections um with the people with the with the field partners necessarily because they don't they don't always trust us Mm -hmm. right they're um i'll go to guatemala for a second the very first time we went to guatemala pastor tono and Marari, um who were the pastors there they were absolutely petrified because we had sent them all of our materials and and we use like we we've we've got a whole training program right. that we use when we talk to kids when we talk to women when we talk to community groups but we don't use it all mm. and it, you know we have that as a framework They were petrified that we were going to come in there and talk about, um, tell their women to to go on birth control um, and talk about AIDS and and all this sort of stuff. And and we had to spend quite a bit of time with the field partners initially, um, sort of explaining. Talking them off the
0: ledge a little bit? Yeah, Yeah,
1: and explaining that, no, we we basically um, take our lead from who we're talking to. And Mm. if they ask a question about that, about birth control, we will answer them, um, but otherwise we will always refer to the field partners or to them and find out what is culturally sensitive for us to talk about and so that was the same thing when the first time we went to Uganda okay. um, that we went to the first time we went we went to Noah's art which was a the yeah. children's ministry, oh. and then we went to his hope Uganda so we went to the two two different places um, and it was and again it was it was very you know, it, we we did our our workshop. There was a little bit of suspicion. It takes a little bit more time to um, to build trust with mm-hmm. them. Um, the second time we went, um, we had already developed a relationship at His Hope Uganda, and so it felt like going home. It felt like going home, and. Um, they had already listened to what we had done, guardian training with them. There was already a group that was still set up from the previous time. So we were able to go back and, and check with, it was a gentleman by the name of Mr. Titus, who actually stood up at the end of our leadership training. And he says, I'll I'll start a group. And so he was able to meet with us and tell us everything that he had he had done he gave me a whole booklet of oh amazing all of his um like how he had um he he had employed like twenty women in micro industries and and um they were utilizing they'd printed off all the training that we had done and and he had um empowered a number of different women in his community that went from community to community and talked to people mm-hmm. about violence prevention and and respect and such like that so it was really quite quite cool to see that that yeah. that was um that was, a. I mean, that was, he'd taken the information that we'd given him and actually taken that and mm-hmm. actually multiplied it within this community. Um, and he also said that um, families and women and such like that were coming to him now and sort of saying, you know, this is happening to me and my family, and I need mm. some help. So it, there was resources being developed. And so that was, that was huge. Yeah, right. So,
0: and that was the second time. You that went. was the
1: second time we yeah, went. Okay. Um, this last time that we went, um, we didn't go to His Hope Uganda, we primarily focused on Peace Portal mm-hmm. um, with uh, Pastor Michael. um uh, he's he's a he's an absolutely amazing man, and we deepened our relationship with him. He was with us for the full <laughs> two weeks that we were there. There wasn't a day that we didn't spend with him um and which is unusual okay. like for a field field partner to be that as involved as he is. Mm-hmm. They went from when we the first time we went there we did one day of training and we at the end of that day we split into three groups um and they each each of the three their three groups came up with a plan one of them was to develop have a piggery um the other one i heard about the piggery. i know The, the the other one was um they were going to be doing um community education um with youth and i can't remember what the third one was at that point um but they developed all these plans um and so when when he sent us the update before we went, those groups which were maybe numbered about fifteen people, maybe mm-hmm. there was five people in each of those group, are now six groups, um, and and each of those groups are anywhere between thirty to sixty people in each group. Um, wow. And so they, um, some of the stories that we heard, and and like I said, people were clamoring to come to the training. I think we had mm-hmm. seventy um 70 leaders in the training um that came and um they gave us all their reports and they developed they you know okay what's the next stage now what are they going to do and and they developed all the it was just it was amazing like the the richness of going back to the same place um and they don't need us there all the time they call themselves eve groups they do yeah i love that yeah yeah so yeah yeah. And the piggery being... is, is, is still there.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, can we circle back to the piggery first? Yes, yeah. So I, I heard that Angela, yeah. so Angela Gertzen, who we've heard from a couple times on the podcast, who is mm-hmm. our director of TPS, mm-hmm. went on this trip. And mm-hmm. her her and her husband are pig farmers as well. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and so she was frantically mm-hmm. calling Chad, yep. her husband, trying to figure out a plan to yeah. present to these. yes. <laughs> to this group of uh, community yeah. leaders who yeah. so why a bakery? Uh, it's because it combats poverty. Okay, and essentially that is the yeah. root cause of violence, yeah. Kate. Okay, got it. So that's what they they
1: decided on. So um again, a lot of and, and this is where it it comes from is that is that they don't need they don't need to just be lectured on how to treat women or not to rape or any of these things that that come out they don't need that sort of lecturing they need a way to be able so that men can can provide for their families so that single mothers can provide for their children not just the yeah so they they can they they need all of that information but in amongst all of that so one of the um one of the groups that was running the piggery um they you know it was a husband and wife that stood up and they said um, prior to 2018, when we came the last time, so we heard some of these stories. Like, prior, the, we fought all the time. Like, I hit my wife all the time. He says, "I the, it was a way of life for mm. us, and and our lives were spiraling. We had no money. Our children were starving, um, and I, you know, and the guy, he's I never felt like a man. Mm. And he says we haven't fought since then. And they stood up and they had their arms around each other, and That's you know." So cool. It was amazing. We had uh, another guy that stood up and talked about violence that he had experienced as a Mm. child and he was able to cry and he was able to feel supported by the group. So Mm. there was, you know, it's, it's hard. And (laughs) like I said, and then we asked them, okay, so what do you need from us? Like, what do you want us to talk about? And so you know, I'm a nurse. I'm not a business major or anything like that. They wanted business planning and they wanted they heard that Angela had a pig farm. <laughs> and so they wanted Angela to do a business plan. A business plan on on how to run a piggery. Um so she did. So I'm sure she nailed it. She, she probably did. She abso- did so well. she absolutely nailed it. Yeah. Um and yeah, that that's one of the things that happens um on a, on, a, on a personal level and for the team as well. And this, this team was was pretty incredible because there were six of us and um, five of us had been before mm-hmm. um, and recognized that, um, that we will be through these trips when we're doing this, that we will be given um, the tools um, that we need mm-hmm. to be able to speak to whatever we need to speak to even if it is about piggery and about, uh, you know, like I said, I it
0: might be a spirit leading that. Well, it is. Thing. It's
1: it's like um, we've we've talked all along about actually going back to Kenya the very first time when I went to Kenya and I um, we I think we were all kind of, oh, my gosh, what are we doing here? What right do we have? We we don't feel like we've got the voice to be able to do this and <laughs> um, and. We were doing our first leadership training, and and somebody in the group asked a really difficult question. Um, I can't remember what it was about at this point. Um, and Jackie stood up and answered it. And that night, we were talking to, the team was talking to Jackie, and we're saying, where did that come from? Like, how did you know what to say, hmm. right? How did you know how to answer that in such a way? And she says, well, she says, it came from God. Hmm. And she says, I was told. You know, it it came to me. And we have, regardless of of the team, regardless of what faith they come from, regardless of of what their beliefs are, Mm -hmm. um, that has resonated through every trip we've done, um, through every person that has come on the trip. That it's just... Like, I'm very nervous talking in front of a microphone here, right? And put a camera in my face and such like that, and I'm very nervous. I can stand up in front of 200 people and talk mm. over there, and it's just the words come.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so, and it's sort of like...
0: God knows what they need to you hear. You let
1: go, you let go, and you let God, and you mm-hmm. just you just allow the the words to flow, and it's, it, it's amazing. And if you speak from the heart,
0: yeah, mm-hmm. like I said. Well, based on my conversation mm-hmm. with Ashley, it came through a lot mm-hmm. from you. And other team members. It's
1: it's the whole team. It's the whole team.
0: You're a very wise lady. Yeah. That's just my little tidbit to Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, Ashley was amazing. Ashley was absolutely amazing. She, uh, I'll tell you a little story about Ashley. Please do. Please do. We had uh, Pastor Michael, um, I think he wanted to break us, to be honest. He brought us into some really difficult situations. And he brought us to a, a youth offender's uh, facility, which with 200 um, young people, five women, five girls, um, the rest of them were boys. And so we walked into this huge hall. At the end of the hall was um, almost like a jail thing with, with beds in it. And we had a tour. And it was just it was devastating, because these mm. are young boys from the ages of 12 to 16. Yeah. And so they were young kids. And so we walked in and, you know, the very solemn looking these kids and um, they basically had been locked up for a variety of different things, stealing some of them are just because they wouldn 't listen to their parents. They were sent in there, some kids were picked up off the street, and such like this and Ashley was um very uncomfortable and she just and she said to me afterwards, she says i i she says i i i, I didn 't think that we should be there mm. and I was thinking what is the, what is the sense of us being here like this doesn 't make any sense we shouldn 't be here we shouldn 't be doing this, this is wrong." and it we're not going to have any effect on any of these kids. And so we stood up and we did our introductions and just talked to them, just talked to them. Um and right at the very end, um for some reason, I I just knew I had so I turned to Ashley, I said, "Do you want to say anything?" And um she stood up and talked. And I can't, I at this moment I can't remember what she talked about. I do She, she told me this, yeah. 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 Um but she came across so incredibly genuine and so um, loving to these kids that I think she touched every heart in that room. Hmm. And so, you know, she, but she went in there that day thinking why I was, she was so uncomfortable and why hmm. was she doing this? Um, and that, that happens. We had those experiences every day.
0: Yeah. Every day. Wow. You know. It sounds though like the group of ladies that you had on this this team very much had an open mind and open heart, mm-hmm. and I think yeah, um, it's pretty crucial mm-hmm. to have both those things mm-hmm. when going overseas yeah. and doing any kind of ministry. Mm-hmm. Having an open mind and open heart because yeah. you don't know what those people need to hear. That's right. God does. Yeah open heart
1: yeah yeah so and you just have to be open to listening to them as well yeah to listening to what um to what they want right rather Mm -hmm. than um never going in with your own agenda Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know um just listening to what uh, to what they want yeah 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 so key Um, when you're working mm -hmm. cross-culturally
0: yeah so with this trip compared to the other trips Did anything surprise you, Um, or is it just old hat? It's never old
1: hat. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's never Never old hat. hat. It's never old hat. I think that um, surprising. I, I think, I think the surprising part is that we can still open our heart even more, and I think that. Like, you think, okay, we got, you know, I've done how many of these trips that, you know, I'd be a little bit tougher. Mm. Um, And it still, it still hits me. I remember when we first got over there and and some of the situations that we saw, especially more so since COVID, um, the poverty is even more um, dramatic. And I just remember thinking, you know, how can, how can... Both worlds exist at the same time. How can what I just came from, the night before I flew there, I'd gone to the Elton John concert in Vancouver, hmm. and, you know, that concert and the evening probably cost me more than it would cost to feed six families, you know, for six months. And and I, you know, and how can those two things exist? Um, so that, I, it doesn't didn't surprise me, but it surprised me that I still um, have such... A feeling of we're such a small little part of trying to help them.
0: Dare I say a drop in the bucket?
1: Drop in the bucket, <laughs> and that is that is actually what we what we have always said. We, you know, sometimes we talk about a drop in the bucket. Sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, like we use a Mother Teresa um, saying and as part of our 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 uh, mission statement. Mm-hmm. Um, is that if we can change one person's life, if we can, um, if we, you know, whether it's a drop in the bucket or a, a grain of sand, um, that we by impacting one person, when we look at, when we look at Uganda, we impacted Pastor Michael. Pastor Michael impacted and supported each of those three groups, and so now we've got the ripple effect. We've got several hundred people in the MPG area that are impacted as a result of this. We've got, I think that they've got, like, they've got, you know, a hundred families that have got some income coming in as a result of that. And we've got families that are no longer fighting, Mm. you know, that are recognizing that they are role-modeling a way of living that is is teaching their children. Um, We saw more families that were coming... um, to listen to what we are talking about, um, loving their children, listening to their children, and we didn't see that a lot hmm. in our first trips. Okay, you know, we, children were sort of put aside, uh, and we saw more people that were, you know, talking to their kids and listening to their kids, and so role modeling a way of mm-hmm. a way of, of of empowering their children as well. So,
0: so what's Eve's plan? What's the What's the five to ten year plan? Five to ten
1: year plan. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a There's a, a core of us that started with um, uh, myself, Barbara, um, Deb Verbeek, um, Patty. Patty's been with us six years, um, but there's the, and Shona. There's been a number of us that have been with the team right from the very beginning, from the inception. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all getting older, and so um, right now our t- our ten year plan is to try and Um, ensure that we are attracting and empowering new team members Mm. to continue on what we're doing so um, trying to um, because it's it's difficult to attract new members and say to them and they and they'll say to us well what am I going to be doing or how can I how can I have an important role in this team um, and for us to just say, oh, you'll, you'll find out when you get over there, right? That doesn't generally work.
0: <laughs> Especially for
1: nurse personalities who are yeah. very like. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So we, we have, we did a more robust training this time prior to going. Okay. Okay. Without, uh, we went through everyone because we do, like we've got a, um, uh, we've got a training plan for the, for the leadership training. We've got a sort of a training, training plan, um, for different activities to do with children in schools because we also go to schools. And then we also do women's health teaching. So all those are the three components of what we do. Um, And then we we take that and we adjust it when we're over there and, and, but at least that gives um, new members a framework. Mm -hmm. And so we went through all of it and we invited this year, we invited three new people to participate in all the training that are going to be coming to Kenya next year with us.
0: How exciting.
1: And so we've got, Amazing. yeah, and it does, they're, they happen to be nurses, but it doesn't have to be nurses right. that, that are coming along. So, okay. Yeah. So that was, that's part of it. Um, the other part is, is um, being a little bit more intentional about fundraising mm. um, so that we don't have to it gives us I mean our, our goal isn't to go over there and hand out money that's always been mm-hmm. um, like we're not like I, I know a lot of a lot of missions trips are going over and you're you're handing out things to people mm-hmm. that's not our focus our focus is to be giving of ourselves to be giving of our knowledge of our hearts mm-hmm. um so we don't we do, we don't generally hand out a lot but still having having that little bit of money it gave us the ability this time um, like we were able to give out, give Pastor Michael money for microloans for mm-hmm. each of the groups so that they can do microloans to start more industry cool. um, and and also give them the information, so we'll give them a USB stick with all the education oh, and great. then yeah. they can actually print it out. They can use that in their communities. they can have events in their community if they wish to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, so that's sort of the brilliant those- setup those yeah. two things and, and like I said we're looking at attrition planning so that if something was to happen and I wasn't able to do it anymore
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, for some reason that it would still carry on
0: yeah mm-hmm. yeah well let me put in a plug for you <laughs> if you are a nurse or yeah anybody anybody, anybody. who is uh, passionate about the topics that we just talked about here mm-hmm. I will link Eve you have a website mm-hmm. right we don't have a website. Nope. We've got a Facebook, Facebook page. page. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You can look up Eve's Facebook page mm-hmm. or just message Hungry for Life and mm-hmm. because the teams go through us, so we can mm-hmm. definitely connect you. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. I I know a lot of nurses. Mm-hmm. One one redhead I'm thinking of who yeah. should join you. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> Anyways, very yeah. cool. Yeah. Um I think that's kind of all. Did you want to add anything? Um Just Actually, actually
1: one thing I do want to say is you asked about something that surprised me. Yes. Um, And this time was um, Pastor Michael, uh, I think we were about, I think it was on a Thursday or Friday or something like that. And he came to me and he asked me if I would... um, be the main sp- speaker in church at Chris- uh, that that Sunday, and I have never, never done anything like that. Never had to stand up in church. I I, I do like to talk, but um, so that was something that surprised me that I was capable of doing that. Did you do it? I did it. I absolutely. You did You go, it. Debbie. Yeah.
0: Way to go. Um,
1: and it's it's something. Uh. Yeah, it was it was it was it was really really neat to do. Pastor Michael was in the back, and he said, "I said, how did I do?" And he says, "Well, I had a whole bunch of paper wadded up right beside me." He says, "I was going to throw at you if you said anything inappropriate," <laughs> and he says, "But you didn't, so so we're okay here." Um, but oh, Michael, <laughs>
0: Pastor Michael. Um,
1: Michael, one of the things that I did say there, though, that I think actually sort of empowers um, our team and um, and getting. People to and the power of every member of our team to get people to talk and to, mm-hmm. um, yeah, is is and I because I looked up, um, I found some passages from Proverbs, and the one was the power to use words is a unique and powerful gift from God. Mm. Our words have the power to destroy and the power to build up, and that's, um, and so that I was able to talk in in church with, with the people. Um Everybody that have come there to talk about how important it is to to raise up your children so that they are raising their children to be to be powerful to be empowered to um that by telling them that they are good they will they will they will they will be do good things coming but if you tell them that they're dumb and they're no good, they're not going to and mm-hmm. so often um children who are raised in poverty are put to one side mm. um but we've seen that children even raised in poverty can actually, um, be the leaders in their community. And so it's, and a lot of that is just through the power of words from their families. Yeah. So
0: that's, yeah. Yeah. I do. I do want to ask you one more thing. What like, and maybe you covered it, but I want to open it up just in case. Personally, what impacted you the most from this past trip that you just went on? Hmm. Um I mean maybe we covered it I don't know. I don't know.
1: I th- I think that you know there's 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 so much that in like I said there was so many different experiences every day um that we could go from the lowest of low seeing you know such such poverty and such um sh- such despair of people. Um okay. we went to a women's prison and and um that was very very difficult mm. to to see that. Um, and then we go to the highest of highs that we'd go to, you know, work with a, a group in the community and and to see um, how quickly they turn things around and how they develop plans and that how how much hope they had. Um, but I think that this team, these women that I traveled with, they continue to surprise me in terms of how personally they have grown in in this journey mm. as well um is it a surprise no because I know that they're they're amazing but kind of a they're amazing uh, a neat twofold situation yeah. right yeah. yeah yeah so I I don't know if there anything really surprised me I think but you know after two well two, two and a half three years three years at least of not traveling um and just to find that that we picked it back up really quickly Mm -hmm. I'm always nervous when we go over there how are we going to be you know like we don't ever want to be seen as um these people from a very rich country coming in here and trying to tell us what to do and that's that's what we have to stay away from Mm -hmm. we have to stay away from doing that we just want to be real Mm -hmm. with people and 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 I think we did I think you've succeeded in that. Mm-hmm. I think so.
0: And so your next trip is? Next trip, we
1: are currently in planning, just <clears throat> going to be starting to plan. We're going back to Kenya. So after 10 years. Um, so we're going to be, you know, we're going to be meeting later this week and actually planning our trip back to Kenya.
0: Nice. And when is that happening? Uh, 20... End of September. Okay. 2023. Lots of time for people to jump on board, unless you have your team I think team we've already. almost got a full team. Okay, I am joking. Point. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think we almost do. We have to,
1: it's, cool. it's difficult, it's balancing. I, we don't want to say no to anybody that wants to come because we want them to experience it, because mm-hmm. I think that everybody gets personal growth out of coming on these trips. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, we don't want it to be so large that we lose um, the focus of what we're doing and, 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 you know, we're unable to take care of the people that are coming because there's we mm-hmm. see a lot of difficult things and we have to take care of everybody that comes over so that they the experience for them is positive as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it gets to be too big, it's hard to it's hard to do that, right. Yeah. Um, so, but,
0: well, um, very exciting.
1: I also, there's, um, I understand there's a new field partner in Dominica. There is. Dominican. We do so, have a new field partner. Um, there's, there's, it's a possibility there could be two trips next year if we sort of. Okay. Yeah. So.
0: Very cool. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, thanks again for taking the time okay. out of your work day to come yeah. podcast with us. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. And that's a wrap. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to What in the World, where we seek to educate and inspire. Here at Hungry for Life, we are passionate about your group having a global impact in eradicating needless suffering. For more information, head over to our website at hungryforlife.org, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and wherever you may listen to podcasts. Tune in every other week for another conversation about what is happening at Hungry for Life.